Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Better Board Games podcast. Uh, I'm McKay, and I'm here with Evan. Hello. <laughs> I I, I want to know how many times we've hit like that exact same cadence. <laughs> like, and here's hello. Evan. Pause. Hello. Well, I always kind of expect to introduce myself, and then you it's introduce true. me, and I'm like, uh... <laughs> I just take it away from you, and then you have nothing yeah. left to say. That's basically uh, well... a whole podcast. <laughs> What? I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> I think you talk way more than me on this podcast. Probably. I would love to see an actual like weighted graph. A map of who talks more. <laughs> yeah. That would be amazing. Um I'm not putting that together, so I don't I don't care that much. On this show we we talk about self-improvement a lot, especially in the context of board games, what they've done for us in our lives, what they do, what how they can be a even better influence in in your life because there's no way board games have had a negative impact on your life that's just absurd <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um with all that said today we are talking about how we value our board games so this is uh games that surprised us in the value maybe we picked them up for two dollars at a yard sale and somebody just saw it as trash and it's become one of our more beloved games um, the games that we saved up and bought for an outrageous price. And then we realized that like, you know what, this really like <laughs> doesn't, doesn't hold a place in my collection or my life. Yeah. And so hopefully by evaluating board games through this lens, we can uh, look at some things that we can think about and evaluate before making purchases to make your purchases more meaningful um, and how to maybe even add value to your board games through some of these ways. But before we actually get into it, I have to ask, have you been playing Wordle? Yes, absolutely. I mean, who hasn't been playing Wordle? I haven't met someone who, besides just like incidentally, haven't been, but I haven't met someone who's like, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's great. It's so it's so easy. It's just like a new word every day. And if yeah, you got to do it in case people are somehow tech savvy enough to be listening to our podcast are into games enough to be listening to our podcast and have not found the <laughs> intersection that is Wordle. Um, I'll explain it. Basically, there's a five uh, five letter word um, at, that's given out to the world every day and it's mastermind like it's it's not a new concept either it's literally mastermind um but with a word and so you just start with any random word uh any combination of letters that makes a real word and it'll tell you whether your letters are uh not in the word whether they're right in the right spot or the right letter in the wrong spot and then you have to go through you get six tries to try and guess the right word deduce so, the right word yeah it's a ton of fun though um and it's it's cool i've enjoyed doing it not only to to do it and like use my deduction skills to figure out what the word would be but also to talk about it with my friends exactly and i think that's truly the success of wordle um if you look at why it succeeds over some others and this is actually a great like little microcosm of like why board games are so important to people mm -hmm. and it's it's that i can connect with people all over the world based on a single shared experience that yep. we had not even at the same time or in the same room yep. 
but that we can just relate to. And that's what board games do for us, right? It's the same kind of thing when my when my mom texts me, this is how I did a world. They're like, oh man, I, I, it was so frustrating how hard this one was or whatever. And, or like, I got it and I feel proud of myself. Obviously those were, aren't the exact words used typically, but um, it's the same. That happening is the same as me texting you and be like, I just played Eon's End solo and here's how it went. And it's like, we can create a sort of, yeah, it's a shared experience thing. You can bond over that. Exactly. Um, Fun fact, yesterday, everybody was complaining about how hard it was. And I was like, I got it. I think I got on the fourth try. So pretty average. Um, I will, I called. I think it's near impossible to get it like first or second. I got you just second. crazy lucky. You've gotten second before. I, I did. And I don't even think it was just that I was crazy lucky. Really? I mean, it was partially well, then lucky your first sure. gate, your first, first would have had to have been lucky. So <laughs> kind of because I, there's a YouTube video that talks about the mathematical, like optimization of Wordle. <laughs> and in, I haven't watched the video. I, I follow the channel already, but I, the in the thumbnail it says this is the best opener and I was, so i just do that and it's been fine for me <laughs> so what, what's helps. your opening word that's another like part of the shared experience is everybody has a different opening word that they prefer to use mine's crane crane you get the a and the e and the r and the n and those are all good letters to <laughs> to see if you have in the word and um i've found that um, the C helps because if there is a C, it's good to know because if you don't know there's a C, it's sometimes really hard to guess that there would be. Interesting. See, it's I do. <laughs> there are two opening words that I usually do, which are adieu and audio, just because just, it covers. Get the, get... Yep. I just get all the vowels out of the way and that just helps me narrow down. That's then my second word is usually one that only uses one vowel. So I switch that word based on what I find out about the vowels. Then I can try and locate the location of that vowel and eliminate some of the higher use consonants. So that's probably why I never get on my second because I don't even try on my second. I'll, no, that's fair. I'll dis- just it's for, just information gathering. Going for consistency. Yep. And oh, then yeah. I usually try and hit on third third is like my <laughs> that's my best it's what i consider and then fourth is good fifth i'm failing so but. ultimately this has nothing to do with our topic but Absolutely. i will say in in a in a roundabout way i guess um wordle was recently acquired and and bought by new york times for seven figures holy cow so new york times valued wordle <laughs> as a very valuable game in their collection, essentially. <laughs> Which is so interesting to me because it's not ad-driven. Like, not much time is spent on there. Really, they're just looking for traffic to their website, right? Mm-hmm. It's People are going there and talking about it, and it's the same concept as, as anything in business or marketing. It's... Um, attention is the most valuable thing you can yeah. have just seeing um, new york times at the top of your browser every day when you do wordle i mean that's exposure that you can't pay for i mean I guess so, obviously yeah. they did pay for it but, but like you, but <laughs> <laughs> you can't paid a lot for it actually. there's no other way to like recreate that i guess um yeah authentically anyway yeah. okay <clears throat> apparently new york times values wordle and what games do we value 
<laughs> exactly. Um, Hopefully I'm not paying seven figures for anything. Oh my gosh. I hoped someday to pay seven figures for something. That means for any, yeah. <laughs> an absurd amount of money. Uh, um, okay, Evan, is there a game in your collection that you just immediately, before we talk about like why you value it or the price that you got it at or anything like that, is there just a game that you know you value pretty highly above others? So yes, um, I have a couple that come to mind for different reasons. Um, one of them I'll open with um, is my favorite game. So naturally, I, I value this game as a good purchase and like a valuable part of my collection. It was worth the money. It was a good everything about it because I love it so much. It's Spirit Island, of course. And um, of course. That game has a few expansions, and so I bought all of them. I haven't bought any like component upgrades or anything, just because I haven't found any that I like. I want to, but I haven't. Let's um, design some together. I there was actually some on Kickstarter um, that some company was doing. They're doing a bunch of different comp or different games tokens. I saw, but that. they didn't. They didn't actually get permission to use their copyrighted stuff. Oh. And then got ceased and desisted oh. by like most of the tokens they're doing. And then they had to cancel the Kickstarter. And I was like, that sucks. <laughs> also, mean, you should have done that. <laughs> right. Yeah. You didn't even reach out to the companies. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so Spirit Island is just automatically, I think of it as super worth it because I have such fondness for it. Like I don't, I wouldn't have to play it ever again to have gotten my money's worth. Yeah. And then I, but I will play it a lot more. Ideally, right. hopefully I do. Um, so that one's just an obvious one. And then also, and I've done, so here's, here's the thing. I've done this math before. And I don't know if it's changed since then, but basically I looked at all the games I've played, how mm -hmm. much I've played them, how many times, the, and then obviously the average play time, and essentially found out how much time I've spent playing the game. And compared that to the price, created essentially a ratio. Right. Um, and the one that has the what is it most time spent for least money right right the highest ratio would be the crown jewel of my collection of the most valuable purchase and it was star realms interesting i played star realms probably like 60 to 80 times um yeah. within the span of like probably two years and it's super um, cheap and it was 10 bucks yeah and it was like if you play a game that's 20 minutes 80 times you, like obviously I have done the math and you can do the math for $10. You're getting like pennies to the play, which is, mm -hmm. I think it's 80 cents a play, but that yeah. might be wrong. Um, Something like that. No, that doesn't make sense. It's like eight cents a play. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> so star realms is apparently the best purchase I've ever made in board games. Right. I don't think that's true though. So this but is mathematically this is... it is. Right. And mathematically speaking, what you described is something that people pretty commonly will, it's your return on investment or your cost yeah. of entertainment, basically. I always weigh the cost of entertainment against a movie. Oh, um, me too. And it's always, go, we, we always win. Oh yeah, always. I mean, going to the movie theater is probably one of the worst returns on investment as far as like entertainment goes. You're entertained for up to two hours, maybe three if it's a big box Marvel movie or a longer, I don't yeah. know, dramatic <laughs> it's, movie. Um, it's actually becoming more standard to be two and a half. It's true. Two and a half to three is like not uncommon now. Um, 
but you pay ten dollars for that if it's on the cheap side <laughs> if you right. hit like a cinemark's like cheaper movie tuesday you're looking at like five to seven but um so actually like the value that you get out of that is pretty pretty it's limited it's, yeah especially when you look at um take a game that takes a longer time to play spirit island can average hour and a half to two hours depending on who you're playing with or um how long the game goes but to hit that same uh ratio of value like uh of entertainment gained based off i mean versus amount spent you hit that after like what four five gameplays uh depends on how much you buy it for obviously if you you get it for like 60 bucks which i think is average price on the market um yeah it takes like six plays to essentially pay for the movie ticket of the game which is i guess the phrase you could use um doesn't make sense at all um so it's like really fast and obviously if you look i've i've thought of this for a long time but like i think board games is one of the best values for your money in terms of entertainment just all just automatically um yeah. you can get a great game that you can play a lot for 20 bucks or 30 bucks and then obviously there's games that are more expensive but those also when they're good games will essentially be uh, yeah like you said it'll be more value than a movie ticket really quickly right I mean, I think there's also other things to consider as well. There I mean, has if to we're be, going right? if we're going strictly off of that metric, then like Dungeons and Dragons and RPGs are like the best your absolute <laughs> top. Which a lot of people feel that way. <laughs> it's true. Um because you literally bring nothing. I mean, somebody's done a lot of prep and so, that's generally a friend or family member. So that's the thing. Um that is worth noting. Typically technically a lot of players don't have to pay anything. They yeah. just show up and play. The The Game Master not only buys all the books, which is a pretty small amount of money for how much time you spend playing the game, but they also do about as much t- time and prep work as you are playing. If so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of spent work to make this happen. Um, and then also, a lot of GMs will also get a lot of miniatures and other sorts of accessories mm-hmm. for the game and that immediately becomes pricey um but also those are just um what is it like i don't know novelty purchases for the hobby right. anyways i ultimately i think you're right that like you spend like if you if you're in a campaign and i'm in a couple every two weeks i'll play for five hours um, so like over the course of a month, that's like 10 hours uh, over a year. It's 120 hours of this one thing. Right. Right. Didn't pay that much for it. So speaking yeah, of was... also, my mom just sent me her Wordle. <laughs> that's awesome that your mom sends you the Wordle. I don't think my parents play Wordle, but I should, I should introduce <laughs> them to it. Um, and fun, fun fact, I introduced my father-in-law to Wordle, and I think he hated it, which is funny because he, like, <laughs> is an English major. He loves word games. Like, he plays word games what? all the time. But he for whatever it? reason, like, Wordle frustrated him. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. That happened, I showed, um, or I was asked talking to a friend who's a math teacher. Like, he's super good at math. Um, and he, I asked him about Nerdle, 
which is the math version of Wordle, which I like oh. almost more. It's very fun. Sounds um, horrible. It's very fun. <laughs> and he was like, I didn't really like Nerdle. I'm like, but what? Why? <laughs> Same kind of thing. Anyways, back to the... That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So if we aren't valuing just solely on price paid versus entertainment gained, because, I mean, it's arguable that a nap is equally as... Uh, <laughs> It's <laughs> equally as valued then. Uh, equally as valuable. Um, yeah, instead of buying a board game, I'm just going to go take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> that person's I mean, hilarious. <laughs> if we if we did that more often, we'd all have a lot more money. Um, but let's, let's talk about other things that contribute to the value of a game. So even looking at movies, because um, we obviously bashed movies as being the worst purchase you can make in entertainment. Right. But also both of us go to the movie theater sometimes. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, and a lot of people go to the movie theaters and I don't think anyone's like, man, that was a big waste of money after going They're They're just like, that was a super fun time that I spent this much money for. And then you don't need to do the math to figure out if it was worth it. Cause you felt like it was worth it. Um, right. <laughs> I just want to, <laughs> I wish that I wasn't, no, I don't think I am that guy who's like, that was not worth our time. And because of math, it's like, because okay, of math. dude. Okay, dude. Um, but anyways, there has to be something else going on because it is worth it, I think. And I don't regret it. almost any of the times I've gone to the movies, um, except for when it's so a bad movie. Is, I think it and has there to are, be experience. There are some movies that I've seen that I was just like, not, not worth, worth it. it. Like, but that has to do I, with, I wish it's we the same as buying a bad game. Yeah. It's true. Um, Which... It has to do with, I think, the magnitude of experience that it offers. That's fair. Going to the movies is a whole experience it's it's fun walking into the theater and then maybe grabbing popcorn at the concessions it's um sitting down talking with your with your friends during the 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 trailers or the previews um making jokes and then the movie starts and then you're like dialed into this movie for two hours and if it's a good movie especially one that's like especially good in theaters Mm -hmm. it's like you can't really get that somewhere else and so ultimately even though it's a shorter time frame it's really a unique experience that um in a lot of cases like you can't really replicate outside of the movie theater right so i guess we could say it's almost like an exclusivity thing where it's like this is only going to be in theaters for this amount of time it's bigger and better like it's the best i'll experience it on the big screen kind of a thing and yeah it, <clears throat> to me it it feels similar to why i feel like a game like mage knight was worth the money I think also I pretty quickly like filled the it was worth the money because of how much time I spent on it. But it's also the four four hour gameplay of that game is a completely like huge experience. It's it's the magnitude of Mage Knight's experience is it's kind of akin to going to the movie theaters. Like if Mm -hmm. I played Mage Knight once, it wouldn't be worth. What is the math? So like Mage Knight, say it's like hundred dollars for like Mm -hmm. the ultimate edition of Mage Knight. That's like 10 movies. If I played five times because it's about twice as long as a movie, mm-hmm. that's that's equivalent to going to the movie, the movies, essentially. That's the movie right. ticket of the of the game. Five times, right. five plays. And most people will probably end up playing that game more if it's something that you like. But five plays feels like it still would have been worth it because of the movie experience. 
that it gives you. I'm not okay. saying it's like a movie, although it kind of maybe is. But does that does that make sense? Yeah. Essentially, it's more valuable because I think it has to do with magnitude of experience. I think that is the is the factor. Right. So like people probably feel the same about Twilight Imperium. Right. That game doesn't get played very often. So this this idea of magnitude of experience is interesting to me. Um I've been thinking a lot lately about what we value games at. Mm-hmm. A game could be literally like the best game in the world and just consist of 52 cards. Yes. Say that's the case we still can't we still tend to not value that game above a 15 to 20 dollar purchase i w- well i would say 10 to 20 dollar purchase is kind of the range where a deck of cards sits any more than that and no matter how good the game is no matter how many plays you get out of it we don't value it much higher than that and i wonder if it's that magnitude of experience um that puts that cap on a game like that because if it's not the amount of time we're going to get like the amount of entertainment we're going to get out of it do we just know that the game could be super enjoyable but its enjoyability cap is just gonna hit like at right around like yeah that was fun not like oh my gosh i want to share this with everybody like it was an amazing time and this this and this happened like is that the scale that kind of pushes some of those uh, like lower component games into a little bit of just like an oblivion? I think there's a few things going on. And I actually don't think that it's because they don't offer a big enough something or other. Um, and I know that there's a lot of people who that kind of game is more interesting to them in the first place. And then mm-hmm. games like that, that they, like say that someone plays Euchre hundreds of times, mm-hmm. they obviously love euchre and they obviously it's just a deck of cards um and then two versus two card game um there's something about it being simple and something that you can sit and just do with your friends um and it's maybe more relaxing it's not offering a grand experience but um that's not where the value is supposed to be and so i think i think it's essentially magnitude like i was talking about is one of the things that can make something right like skewed in your value or in your valuing of it um more just because of that and i don't think that if it doesn't have that it's if i think there's other things that kind of that can be going on too okay um in terms of why i think that that does happen though people will buy a game and then i think that they're naturally going to try to justify the purchase i think that Mm -hmm. human nature is to say is to when you buy something to try to convince yourself and other people that it was worth buying not always maybe that's not everybody but um i have a feeling that you're more likely to tell yourself that you like something more because you spent more money on it Mm -hmm. so that might just be like an internal bias that happens and I'm, I think I think as human beings, we don't want to feel like we got duped or made a bad decision. So I yeah. think regardless, yeah, I would agree that that's generally going to be true. Yeah. 
Um, so what are some other things we've, I didn't realize there was so much to unpack on this topic because we are, we're hitting uh, pretty close to our uh, general like uh, time constraints. And I still feel like we haven't talked about a decent number of things that go into the value of a game. So let's talk about like um, sharing it with other people. Um, for you personally, Evan, do you, where do you place um, the shared experience on there? Because I'll be honest, if I look at like entertainment it provides for me is most important. Like that's that's the highest value because I paid the money. I It's most important that I enjoy the time spent. Totally. So I wouldn't say if, pers- if friend A, we'll just say Evan. I'll, if Evan <laughs> gets just as much uh, entertainment out of it as I do, I have valued that probably at about like a third of my own enjoyment um, <laughs> added to the value of the game. So if I enjoy it 100 and Evan enjoys it 100, as far as the value that it's added in my mind, it's probably about 30 um, yeah. as far as how that increases the value of the game in my <laughs> library. Maybe that's wrong. <laughs> I don't think anything's wrong. Um <laughs> So for me, it's hard to say, um, but I think that ultimately the community aspect of board games in in the hobby is a major motivator in what causes someone to consider a game valuable to them for a lot of people. For me... There are specific games that I that I do see played more often because people around me want to. And so I automatically am more excited that those games are played, right? There yeah. are also examples of games that see table they see the table really often because people want to play them. And I'm like kind of annoyed that those are the games that they are, <laughs> right? Like I'm like, I don't actually want to play I can't think of an example. Villainous. Uh, um that would be one but i don't <laughs> have it because i don't want it <laughs> for good reason yeah um and so it isn't enough for me if people want to play it that isn't enough for me to just be like great it's worth it then right, right. I, I want to find the one that is good and the people want to play um and so when i do it's very exciting um but i'll also add this is interesting because this is not my this is not only my experience but i have had this experience um essentially um looking at the hobby there's sort of like three different brackets of um the hobby that i think of when i'm thinking of how expensive it is to be in the hobby board games are ultimately pretty cheap um but then other types of games in the hobby i think we might have talked about this in a little bit miniature games are mm-hmm. really pretty ex- dang expensive. It's a it's a hobby. Miniature games are it's a different hobby completely, honestly. But it's quite a bit more expensive. And then similarly, trading card games are also quite right. a bit more expensive. The so average when I you don't say know the exact math, just to define miniatures, you're saying like Warhammer 40k, like yeah, games like you're that buying you armies are of miniatures, painting right. all of them, and then every once in a while you play with them. Um, right. Whatnot. It is important to note in that that a lot of the entertainment value is not necessarily in the game. Absolutely. It's, you have model making 
um, as yeah. well as gaming that's kind of blended into one. So if that's your intersection where you like painting and model making and doing all that stuff, then you're getting separate value out of that it's, than the actual. It's really cool. Thing. And I'll even find myself because I, I do enjoy painting miniatures as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll even find myself seeing that a game has minis that are unpainted and go, oh, it's a little bit more worth it for me to buy this because it's just giving me things to paint. And right. I have a lot of things to paint that I'm that I don't paint already. So like ultimately, I don't need more to paint yet. Yeah. Um, until I finish, um, but that's not going to happen for a long time. <laughs> um, but anyways, no, I think you're completely right. Um, and I was kind of sort of going to touch on that. Essentially, um, there are more factors to what makes it worth it, and it it kind of is. Um, let me just finish what I was saying. So Sorry. trading card games, the you're fine. It was a great, <laughs> a great thought to add trading card games. The average trading card game player is going to be spending over the course of a year, probably hundreds to thousands of dollars on yeah. this one game. Typically it's going to be closer to thousands for this game over the course of a year, because there's a new, a new set every like three, four months. Right. And in that set, you probably want to buy a lot of it. And so like it ultimately is like $300 every quarter or something, mm-hmm. um, which is a lot. And it's more than any other, like you could, you could, it's more than a, the board game hobby is at, like completely like For by sure. a large margin. And so here's the thing. I used to be just into board games and then I started playing like LCGs, which is like fantasy flights, like response Mm -hmm. to TCGs where essentially there's no randomization in what cards you get in your packs. You just get all the cards and that was fun. And I never thought that I'd get into TCG, but then I did. And I spend a lot of money on it and I spend a lot of money on it. And it, it seems ridiculous because even things like, there's a game that I've been wanting to buy called Eclipse Second Edition, which is like $250 total. It's like a huge sci-fi board game that's like really well acclaimed. And I think it'd be a fantastic game to own. I don't know how much I'll play it, but I just have wanted it for a long time. And um, I've wanted it and I've had the money for it, but I keep on spending that money on um, Flesh and just Blood saying. TCG. <laughs> Flesh and Blood that's the one. Um, I keep on spending that money on the flesh and blood card game, and I'm fine with it because I really, really like it. Um, so ultimately, there's something else happening because I am spending a lot of time playing the game, mm-hmm. but like not enough to justify the movie ticket of flesh and blood, right? right. Like I, it's it's not probably even close. But there's more things going on. One of the major things that makes it worth it is that I'm a part of a community who plays this game. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who I talk to about the game a lot. And there's people who I'm playing the game with and I will see a couple times a week or something. Um, and they're friends that I'm glad that I have and people that I'm glad to, to that are a part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's that, like I, so I have this... a community. Is this kind of the FOMO factor of a game where it's like, I'm part of this community. I mean, I've felt this ramp up since I started doing social media, blog, like YouTube stuff as well, where it's like, I'm part of a community and the community is talking about this and I want to be part 
of the conversation. And I want to be part of, for me to belong in this group, I need a certain level of knowledge and experience in this realm. And I've, so (laughs) it's kind of funny to talk about this because Evan is getting into flesh and blood, like hardcore in the last year, probably. Um, In the last year, I've, and I had an episode about this. um, I've pulled out of Magic the Gathering, like, almost 100%. I haven't, I don't think I've touched a magic card in the last, I mean, probably six, seven months. And six months sober. Yeah. Six months sober from magic, the gathering. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's funny because I have, I've lost my connection to that community. Am I okay with it? Yes. Because I feel like it's been replaced with more valuable connections, which was all a part of my decision. Um, but I I do think that's a big part of why trading card games even work. Because um, it doesn't make much sense to spend the amount you do on a pack no. of 15 cards. Like, yeah. it's it's relatively absurd. So there's a lot of things. And I thought about it a lot to justify my, my spending, essentially. Of course. Um, you're, you're paying for a lot of different things. First of all, there because of the way that card games typically work there's there's certain cards that are more rare and if you get them they might be worth money that's a part of the thing and so there's a little bit of a gambling slot machine kind of thing involved you're paying for the chance to get something good mm-hmm. you don't have to buy cards that way you could buy just cards that are just singles it doesn't necessarily matter but the point is that's one of the things it's just one of them um but also you're playing a game a lot you're playing the same game a lot and part of the value of it is that you're you're getting so deeply entrenched in this game and you start not only playing the game a lot, but also thinking about it. And so the entertainment flesh and blood has offered me goes way out from the amount of times I've played the game because I've spent thinking about the game, thinking about how to build a better deck, thinking about theory crafting, coming up with weird ideas, thinking about the meta, trying to figure out how, like right now I'm preparing for a tournament I'm going to tomorrow for this game. And I've, I was telling McKay earlier, I've played, flesh and blood 30 times this last week preparing for this tournament and so essentially it is it becomes more part of your life than any other game almost ever would and it's because of the the nature of the games the nature of a competitive game with like a super deep it's super super deep as a game like it's a really good game um but anyways the amount of money I've spent on it feels worth it for those reasons. Like ultimately my, my collection is worth money. So it's not like I spent the money and I can't ever get it back. Like theoretically, if I did want to get out of the game, I could sell my stuff and make a good amount back, which is, it helps alleviate some of the thoughts of spending so much. I have collectible items in my, in my, you know, in my collection. Um, But then also I'm spending money to, have a game that I can talk to my friends about a ton and like think about a bunch and just essentially it became part of my life. Right. So that's anything you could want from a hobby. It's true for it to be uh, an important part of your life to make connections with other people. So we're, we're pretty much out of time and we, we will spend a lot of, I, I assume a decent amount of time talking about what we usually do, um, which is eons and flesh and blood and spirit Island um, in the post show. Um, but we're, we're a one trick pony. Yeah, apparently, um, which we're finding out. Um, 
if you if you want to hear about more variety or if you want if you think we do spend too much time on some of our favorites um please let us know in comments or reach out to us on social media um there's our there's our shameless plug also give us give us some kind of rating on whatever platform you listen to but um in really quick in summary i think we may have to do a part two to this episode where we actually um what would you say what is it called when you like boil down reduce uh reduction um where we kind of like reduce what we've talked about into a more digestible format but um really we've looked at like entertainment hours is probably the one that we go to the most that's probably the one that is most prevalent in our minds as far as where did the value of this at the very least it's the baseline right yeah you should think about that and i think most people do as far as like how much am i actually playing this game versus how much i paid for it we talked about the magnitude of experience which definitely has a way of bumping that up to like a pretty epic scale um the the memorable like the memorability memorability (laughs) is that even a word memorability Uh, how memorabilia is also a thing that's true um (laughs) however big the experience and however impactful that experience is that's kind of like your uh wild factor that just like may come in and may like exponentially value like up the value of the game um but some of the more subtle things are these like this idea of community the fomo the fear of missing out on like the discussion that's happening the progress the excitement of the industry and what's happening there and then this idea of mastery and collection or street cred like honestly that's a big that's part of why i have such a big game collection why i'm I'm afraid to get rid of a bunch even if i don't play them like they're part of my collection like my collection is a big like substantial thing and i feel like i i know that's not where my worth comes from but (laughs) in some but it is yeah it's just like i have a decent (laughs) somebody comes over and it's like my value to like pick my ability to pick out a game for them and like show as a that host. Like, yeah, that like I have a breadth of games like I, I know games is somehow visually represented in the street cred of my collection. And that's, awesome. that's how I, I feel that adds value sort of not really similarly. But when I when someone comes over to my house, I can make them a cocktail. Um, yeah, because I know how to do that, have the stuff for it. So it's like it it adds value to my hosting. Yeah. And my game collection is the same way. Yeah. And if people knew, even if people knew that you were good at mixing a good cocktail and stuff, like if you don't have all the stuff to do it right there, that the value of that skill has gone way down. Right. Yeah. So you got to have tons of games in your collection. (laughs) Right. Because how else can I effectively like recommend a good game or let somebody borrow a good game or whatever how am i going to be that person that knows games if i don't have the games so and ultimately i think you can um trust your gut like when you when you buy something you it's not very hard to tell if you feel like you regret the purchase or if you feel very excited and if honestly this is a, this is where the part two can get crazy because um I don't know actually exactly where I stand on this and like in terms of how valuable entertainment is at all um like um not doesn't necessarily matter to talk about this right now but maybe if you bought something and you genuinely enjoyed it and it added excitement and fun to your life helped you connect with someone maybe that's enough maybe like even if it was 
a waste of money by some pragmatic terminology, some by some random guy on the internet's math, um, who's named Evan and likes to play Nurdle. Maybe his math doesn't matter for if your if your purchase was worth it, but like if you just felt like it was. Honestly, maybe wasting money is fine is ultimately where, where I'm standing. <laughs> We're acting like money is that big of a deal, but it's it's there to be spent, right? Well, that's that's of some philosophical philosophical ideas that um we might both share, but I don't know if it's something we can say. It's just <laughs> just yes. This is this is probably another uh next we'll talk about the value of money. Um yeah. <laughs> the value of games the value of money the value um, of your mortality is the next yeah, episode and then that, just <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about how to evaluate your own personal worth on but a also like scale <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic um, Sorry, this one but came. actually though can we just say it like this the value of our mortality is why the value of entertainment is either this is because i don't actually know i haven't thought about it i thought about it a lot but not enough it's either the reason why entertainment is worth it or the reason why entertainment is completely a waste of time and money so you're saying entertainment is time and money spent on ourselves so if ourselves aren't worth anything no that's not what i'm saying (laughs) i'm saying because we are mortal and we have a limited time on earth the value of our mortality it's very significant our time and money and spending that time and money well is theoretically really important to valuing your own self and and your um yeah but what that means to me is um i'm not sure if it means that entertainment is worth it or if entertainment is not worth it because of that does that make sense yes yes i'm torn personally interesting okay but well there's like a philosophical a teaser. like bomb just dropped on you right there and uh yeah. this this gives you <laughs> I, incentive i basically am like the whole episode is me justifying how worth it was for me to buy all these things and be in the flesh and blood and whatnot and then at the end i'm like i actually don't know if anything is worth it <laughs> mortality boom um all right we're gonna jump into the post show where um i assume we'll have interesting conversation because we always do um but stick around for the post show if you want if not you've heard all of the super relevant stuff we had to say today and it was so so relevant thank you evan for bringing it was so so relevant (laughs) i will say typically we do touch back on the the main topic in some way somehow it just comes up yeah so Um, there's your motivation stick around for the post show because we think it's fun (laughs) we do (laughs) um so i already said what i played a lot this week yeah you did (laughs) 30 times i played flesh and blood 30 times it's a lot it's been great good i'm glad yeah it's really and i want to know text me and let me know how the tournament goes tomorrow maybe take a selfie and uh I'll I'll post it to my Instagram account. I'm very excited. I'm genuinely, I'm not nervous yet. I know I will get like the tournament jitters hard. I'm sure quite a bit. Um, I'm very excited because I actually think I can do really well. Yeah. And so 
I I have a certain amount of like confidence in myself. That means that it's going to be either great or I'll be really disappointed. So, so we'll tune see. in for our next episode to see if we are dealing with um, inflated ego, uh, large headed Evan or completely deflated. Uh, <laughs> I'm a worthless piece of trash Evan next time. <laughs> the, the catch is those are both the same Evan. Oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I'm trying to imagine. I am. I'm. I'm self confident to the extent that I have crashed and well I'm now like to make it weird this. again um, and um, existential again. Anytime <laughs> that my ego becomes an issue, and it, it often does, where where I'm thinking of myself really highly and um, trying to make sure people see me and know that I'm smarter, cool, or whatever. Um, it's never because i actually am confident in myself and it's a really really deep-seated subconscious doesn't actually think that i'm worth something and so that i'm trying to compensate and make people know that i am worth something so and you're so gonna like it's really low-key win you're gonna like win this take this tournament by storm and just like you'll be super low-key humble evan and that's evidence that you have actually internalized a lot of self-worth so you don't feel a need to project it i mean this is bullying 101 right because kids are not <laughs> self-confident and not they don't have a high self-worth, they bring other people down to their level, like physically. That's what I'm going to do. Right? No, yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited I... for this. <laughs> this emotional <laughs> bullying that I'm going to endure next time. <laughs> next episode, I just bully you to the ground. It's like, are you okay, oh. dude? Oh my god. No, I don't think that's what's going to happen. But anyways, I've been I've been genuinely preparing for the tournament, building my deck, refining my deck. The deck building is one of the things that that you get in a um in a collectible card game that you don't get in It's true. In typical board games. Deck building games exist it's and they the do game. scratch a similar itch. But it's the um, game outside the game. That exactly. Is the like game outside the, value, the game. Right? I I don't know why I didn't even mention that phrase, but that's a major reason why those kinds of games are worth it. The value yeah. goes up because you're talking about the game and thinking about the game outside of the game. And technically I basically said those things. Yeah. But yeah the game outside the game. Um, it's so fun, but like um, think about like, if you haven't played a deck construction game, which is different than a deck building game, deck building games, you're building the game throughout the game. It's your you know, star realms is one of them. Um, Lost runes of Arnok um, is another Clank. one. Clank. There's Ian's end. Obviously. Dominion um, is probably the most accessible deck. Dominion, builder. Dominion, and Ascension are kind of the those games of... scratch a similar itch because you do get to take part in a creative process um, and see how it sort of goes. In a deck construction game, you build your deck, play the game, and only after the game do you go, okay, how can I make this deck better? And and in a normal deck building game, you like take you know remove cards from your deck to make it better. You add specific cards with good synergies. Um, and that's essentially what you're doing, just not while you're playing. Right. And I'm sure most people already know that. But um, in any different game, the the deck building is a completely different puzzle, different creative process, a different thing. And in Flesh and Blood, it is brilliant. Um, I, I have been surprised by how much I like the deck building in this game. Um, essentially, the reason why it's brilliant is specifically that... Um, the way that the game works is you have a small sideboard essentially, which means you can bring in other cards into your game from your sideboard that 
are for specific matchups. So if you like see that you're against a specific hero, you can go, okay, well, these cards are better for that hero. Let me use these. Um, but the way that, that works is you have um, equipment and a deck. When you when you go to, when you actually play the game, you have to have at least sixty cards in your deck, and you have to have equipment, which is four equipment and at least one weapon. And then essentially, so that's sixty five cards there. You have fifteen more cards that you can do side that you could sideboard. So you have a total of eighty cards in your deck. the The fact is to have a really good deck against every matchup essentially 80 cards is just not quite enough to be confident Mm -hmm. so you sort of like if you could have an 85 card deck you would be like okay this is great but it's 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 that slight cutoff at 80 that makes the deck building process invigorating and infuriating because you're you're like gonna have a couple holes that somebody can get through and Ultimately, it ends up being a super fun time. So I've been spending a lot of time trying to make my deck good. So I'm mm-hmm. going to the tournament tomorrow, and we're going to see if I can take the cake. I hope I, I... I'm wanting to get top eight. I don't necessarily want to win. I would love to win. Top eight not, is where... I, if I don't get top eight, I'll be like, dang it. If I don't get top one, I'll be like, I got close, right? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um. Okay, well, let me tell you what, you know what I've played. Um, We're going to jump back to Eon's End because I just have to. Um, Legacy of Gravehold came. Haven't it's played it yet. great. Have you I played, played any one of game. it? One game of it. Oh. First game of it. Do do we want to do the same campaign or a different one? Oh, that's right. There's two campaigns, huh? Yeah. Um, Maybe we should start. I don't care which one I start with. So maybe you should tell me and I'll do the opposite one. I don't know. I but almost then, feel like we can't, we can't talk, talk about, about it. it then. Then but also, I think that there's branching paths anyway, so like we can't really are. talk about it. And from what I hear, they intersect at some point. And oh, so, that's crazy. Um, yeah. All I'll say is the first one of the Azair campaign, Okay. I was like, oh, freaking, the, the designers of Eon's Ed continue to innovate. <laughs> it's. I was just like, I did not expect this. This is crazy. Oh, good. That's good to hear. Um, but I, I, so we finished last night, literally hours ago we finished uh eons and legacy the first legacy game the first one so you um, got it i'm spoiler plug yours we defeated zaxos it was actually not that bad there were a couple minutes like right there at the end that we were like oh shoot if things go just like uh, really against us it could get really bad we could be in trouble like his spells get out of control it's a genuinely challenging uh, nemesis and a very Um, fun one I really like it. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun managing his spells. We never used our charges to get rid of one of his spells. Um, uh, you can spend your charges yeah, yeah. to nullify his spells. Um, we never did. Uh, we just took the consequences, but we had also built our characters up that our charges were very important to yep. us and our strategy. So, yep. um, but anyway, it was a lot of fun. Um, I can't say I can't say that Eons End Legacy had the most compelling uh, story points. Um, no. As far as, I mean, you can sum it up in three sentences, right? Like as far yeah. as like the story arc. The goes, story of Eons End is not its strong suit. It's fine, but the nemeses that you fight are interesting and unique and fun. Um, in addition to that, honestly, more than Legacy, I got the New Age, and um, if you follow me on Instagram, you saw this. I played as um, Gygar and Claudia. I love Gygar. Um, 
and it was epic. Um, I was playing Gygar, kind of how you play um, pulse tokens in Legacy. I thought that his ancient portal, I thought those surge tokens were a one-time use and that you spent <laughs> them. And I was no. like, this guy's not good. Like, I am spending a lot of ether for a single hit. And I was like, this can't be right. Like, and yeah. this is where you I have gave the, the, the um, I gave game credit. sense alert goes off. Yeah. Like, wait a minute. Wait and a minute. The designers give, are smarter. <laughs> right. And this is where I give a lot of credit to the designers of Eons End because I was like, they they would know better than this. So I looked it up and surely enough, uh, some forums online, they were like, okay, it's a common, it's a common misconception, but you it's a permanent boost they were like but every time in the same way it almost seemed way too overpowered um for Gygar to have that ability because oh it's really good it's really good um i was so surprised anyway, you said you got four of them i'm very surprised about that really that's a lot i was i was focusing on it like well you have to remember claudia too um, oh that helps claudia, it's just claudia that makes sense actually charges onto other people as well they were a great synergy and i loved it um, also, I now that I think about it, I only played Gygar four players, and in two players you get more turns, and so you can build up. Right. So getting to, getting to four makes a lot more sense. And thinking, so Gygar has like the um, I forget what the spell is called, but he basically adds a charge. He starts yep. with two of those spells. Title so surge or something like that. Yeah, title surge. I think you're right. Um, so I was building up those charges pretty fast. Um, and yeah, overall. It was a really fun. Claudia is a great support character. She does a lot for other people. Claudia is um, so good. I chose them completely randomly because they're the four mages in New Age, and so I just picked two because I wanted to double, uh, double fist it. Um, and so I pulled those two, and I was I was super impressed. It was a fun, uh, fun time. The hatching of maggots and flies with uh, Magath. I like that nemesis too a lot. Yeah, Magath, Magath was great. It felt um, like a better version of the Carpus Queen. That's right. Original. Yeah, the Carpus Queen. Um, I agree. I I hadn't made that connection logically, but yeah. Um. So anyway, great times. Eon Zen continues to deliver, and I think it's... I'm gonna try and play more solo games. I'm gonna try once a week. I may play one today. Yeah. Um, but just, I want to get through the nemeses. I want to play through all the mages. There's something like, are there like 80 something mages in the entire universe now with legacy of grave holdout? I'm actually really curious about that. There have to be so many, like between all of the mini expansions that add one or two, there's um, also in one of those smaller expansions, there's the one that changes form from the defender to the attacker. Um, so many interesting things. Nine. All right, so there are sixty nine different breach mages. Um, That's a crazy amount. Insane. It is. It's a ton. It's crazy. So Eon's can end... we rank them all? Is that too ambitious to seventy ish? <laughs> um, it is t not too ambitious. We just need to both get through everything, and then we can do it. Yeah. What's the? Great. I look back to my first game of Eon's End, and I played of Olgamore as I I played as Olgamore. That's a crazy starting guy. <laughs> I was, uh, it's so hard. Like he's constantly losing his own life as he yep. like tries yep. to like bring this, like reel in this inner demon. And man, it's, uh, it was a trip. So thinking, thinking all the way back to Olgamore and my first game, I'm like, oh man, what was I doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. No, but genuinely though, Eon's End, 
one thing that's so impressive about it is not just the game design, but the um, development of the game. And they continuously innovate. Um, mm-hmm. And the every expansion is like, oh, this is doing something new that is incredibly enticing, interesting, mechanically right. and thematically. Um, great, great stuff all around. Like, there are so many of these, like, living card games that just, like, add more content. And it feels cheap, right? Where it's like... Yeah okay, this card does three damage instead of two, but it costs a little more. And like, yes, that exists in Eon's End, but in every game of Eon's End or every expansion that you get, you get a bulk of cards. I picked up one of those games and I was like, oh my gosh. And I've recently considered sleeving them just because you do so much like shuffling of like the turn order cards and stuff. I have it all sleeved. Oh gosh. Do you know how many? (laughs) How many sleeves the whole thing is? There's a website that'll tell you. Really? I think so, yeah. I'm like scared to even look it up because I, once I start, I can't stop and they'll all have to be the same brand of card yep. sleeves because that's just how I work. There's some anyway. good cheaper ones that I can probably send oh, you. But I to. hate the feel of the cheap sleeves. Ah, anyway. they're not, no, they're, they're good cheaper ones, is what I was saying. Like, like, oh, okay. They're just, they're just not like Dragon Shield's okay. price. I mean, that's fine. So. I also found something recently, Evan, that I wanted to get your opinion on. Have you okay. seen um, the, oh, what is it called? The game, do, 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 do. oh, what is it called? It uh, game. I found a, it's like a big box. It's about the size of a large, um, of a large game box. Um, but it's all built for organizing cards. Um, it has a couple little drawers for dice and tokens. The lid of it is magnetic and turns into a big dice tray. Um, what is it called? I have never heard of it. I'm going to find it. <laughs> if you don't mind sitting on here for just a minute. I don't. Um, oh, what did they call it? Hold on, I reached out to them recently to see if there was any good way to acquire one at a lower price because I really do think it might be the answer to um, the organization of Eon's End because we've talked about that quite a bit, right? Um, Like, they're spread out around so many boxes and... Right. uh, Where is it? it was like the the game vault or the card vault or but unfortunately that's like the name of every game store in every city in the u.s huh we might have to i'll edit this out and we can take it uh, offline when i figure it out yeah huh i'll find it cool anyway it it looked really cool and it's basically just meant to house an absurd number of cards um that's good i need more card boxes yeah and they're cards very pretty they're like a leather like a leather outside and stuff which is a big thing i don't just want to organize hold on is it game genic oh yes that's the company what i know about these (laughs) (laughs) i know all about these (laughs) i do want some of them some of these boxes not for storage but for um like 
your deck box, right? Not not for like storing all, all of my bulk cards, but for probably just for like here's my deck, my single deck box that I bring to a tournament or whatever. But yeah, no, they they're really nice. I've heard great things about them too. Yeah, and like all of like the magnetic closures and everything uh-huh. like that, they just it's just yeah. nice. Gamegenic is definitely the brand. Um, the what is this one? The exclusive line. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I think there's enough like little cardboard components and stuff too that you just can't get like a good card storage system for Eon's End. You need like some other like the little drawers and like yeah, the yeah, component yeah. organizers in got you, got conjunction you, got you. with that. So anyway, Hopefully. that's one that I may just like make the splurge. I, I want to get like all of the cards together and like uh-huh. i'm sure i could get a card count of like everything that's in eon's end and they could probably tell me if it's enough um that would be wild but yeah kind of crazy oh i actually have to jump off in like four minutes so this is gonna <laughs> well, be a think... shorter post show <laughs> I like it was I have a, a normal post call show. with hasbro about designing games so Ooh. That's all. well let's wrap usually... it up here then yeah um all right so shorter post show today but that's okay because we went along a little bit longer on uh the actual episode and we just got to talk a little bit about what we were playing which was fun geek out about eon's end and flesh and blood and stuff um sorry to say i'm probably never gonna get super into flesh and blood but you should because i'm i'm very very wary of jumping into another um trading card game just it's dangerous. i know my personality I- <laughs> i yeah you would you would fall into the rabbit hole hard and fast yeah, I would. um i am single and um yeah i don't really have i don't know i'm just kind of a single bachelor that in right now itself is in his of 20s <laughs> like i don't have i have a lot of time and money to kill <laughs> I, I have to pay for kids food unfortunately yeah exactly <laughs> that's more important than buying cards it is it is and uh that's that's where the money goes so all right well thank you evan um this has been fun it was a super fun episode and i really do think a part two might be in order i just feel like we barely scratched the surface is it part two in in terms of like talking about more about value of games or part two and is entertainment worth your time as a mortal because that's my part that's only time will tell so we'll (laughs) you'll know when part two comes out uh good stuff okay thanks evan and um i have to jump but uh yeah we'll talk again soon see you later okay bye